Hello, everybody. How are you? You're very welcome. There's a little bit of hope in our sunshine today. So we're grateful for that, and we'll take it, won't we? Uh, we're uh, glad to see that our, our friends from England here. You're very, very welcome. Now we're going to talk about a couple things tonight. And I'll start with this. In families, when there is a reunion, there is often laughter as people reminisce with each other about funny events or happy occasions. And sometimes, in these situations, there's also talk about periods of pain and suffering from the past. Because in each family, there are periods of grief and loss and failure. Some periods of family pain can even result in separation or divorce. And this happens in Catholic families as well as families of other faiths and of no faith. Everyone involved suffers in these instances. And we trust in God's healing, of course. But I want to speak briefly to single parents who are raising children alone. Maybe you've been abandoned. Maybe there was an addiction or the family became unsafe physically or mentally. Or maybe your spouse simply walked away. Maybe your spouse died. Regardless, you're alone and God is asking you to bring up the children that he has sent to you. Single parents represent a group of people with a very special call that is dear to heaven. They are providing formation for children as one person instead of two. And I know that many single parents feel terribly lonely and isolated. And I know that sometimes they feel, especially in the cases where there is separation or divorce, that their dignity has been reduced. But this is not how Jesus views this. Jesus was stripped of everything, and he retained his dignity as a child of God. And however you, the single parent, may have been treated by others, Jesus views you as dignified, necessary, and hopefully open to his call to be faithful apostles. Jesus is 100% committed to helping single people provide stability and loving Christian formation for the children God has sent them. I have seen mothers throwing baseballs with their sons. I have seen fathers lost in the bakeware departments of stores. This father said to me a little perplexed, the girls like to bake, so I have to buy them some baking pans. They make an awful mess, but they seem to need to do it. He was so right, and this mother was right, and they were both compensating in a healthy way for the absence of the other parent. One divorced mother told me, quite honestly, I definitely used to judge people getting divorced until it happened to me. Another told me, when my husband left, I just assumed that Jesus had left me too. And she looked so puzzled and she said, why would I have thought that? But this is where her pain took her, to abandonment by Christ. 
Now there was a woman who had three children, and her husband left her for another woman and remarried almost immediately. She experienced the most terrible confusion and anguish and entered into a period of the greatest pain. Soon after, she understood something. She understood that Jesus was with her and that he himself would be the head of her household and the father of her children in the home. So she put a big picture of Jesus Christ, the returning king, in her living room. And she often pointed to him and she said, he is the boss of this house. Whatever it is, he will have to deal with it. Well, after a period of this, I saw her again. And she was transformed. She was so cheerful and serene and honestly beautiful. She had dignity and confidence, and she parented her children with joy. She also found something else. She found that she was in the position to help other single parents with loving support and holy counsel. This is what I think of as a good outcome. And I expected no less with Jesus. If you're a single mother, then think of Jesus as your spouse and the head of your household. And if you're a single father, think of Mary, our blessed mother, as your spouse and the mother of your household. You are not alone. And as lay apostles, let us all make single parent families the object of our special love and support. I think Jesus would be happy if we did this for him. And if we as an apostolate were known for supporting single parent families and for all of us, when you find yourself with a single mother or a single father, it's good to let them talk about their children and to muse out loud about their children's struggles or what have you, because they don't have somebody else to do this with. We can be loving list- we can be the loving listener who rejoices with them when a child is doing well or reassures them when a child doesn't seem to be doing well. I want to talk more next month, I hope, about that. But, you know, in a family, it is good to self-examine. And the family of the church is no different. In a good, it is good that the church, as she emerges through time, examines herself and determines what she needs to shed and what she needs to keep, what she needs to grieve, and what she needs to celebrate. But it seems to me that there are a lot of people looking backwards right now, and they're examining the past. They long for good times and lament past triumphs to such a degree that they may have their backs to the future. You would think there was nothing to do in the present and that there were no triumphs in front of us. Lay apostles, I think we have enough people examining the past. Let us, as an apostolate, look forward with Christ to service in this day in preparation for tomorrow's triumph. God is calling us to a holiness that is as serious as it is necessary. Remember that the plan for renewal rests in our willingness 
to let Jesus possess us and flow through us. Many will begin walking on this path to abandonment, but not everybody keeps walking. Now, what is our role of service? Well, only Jesus Christ can tell us that. And at this time, during Lent, Jesus speaks to us through his sacrifices and his suffering. He speaks to us from the cross. And in order to be abandoned to him, we must each be interested in his pain. If we spend time with Jesus in front of the crucifix, in silence, in contemplation, something wonderful will happen. As we study his crucified condition and become interested in his pain, Jesus will begin to whisper into our soul. This is, as I've often said, the beginning of intimacy. Many people are willing to share joy and triumph, but far fewer are willing to accept anguish and disgrace. And there is no greater bonding experience than the sharing of deep suffering and grief. If we want to get to know our returning king in a hurry, we will do this at the foot of the cross. It is a given for each of us that life will bring us sorrow and suffering. Nobody will escape it. And only if we know Jesus in the passion will our suffering make any sense to us. If we remember the verse of scripture, Jesus wept, we will understand the link between each one of us and Jesus Christ in his humanity. Yes, if we stay with Jesus at the foot of the cross, like John, like Our Lady, like St. Mary Magdalene, he will begin to whisper into our souls. And perhaps he will start by whispering about the extent of his physical sacrifice. And then, maybe, he will whisper about his emotional abandonment, his loneliness, the terrible fear of disaster he experienced in the garden. He will possibly illuminate for us the pain he felt of betrayal as he looked down from the cross and saw that 11 of his 12 apostles were somewhere else. Such cruelty and coldness from the crowds. Imagine, most of these people didn't even know Jesus, and yet they screamed for his death. Remember why John was there. John showed up for dinner on Holy Thursday, and on Good Friday, he stayed. John showed up, and he stayed. The Bible tells us this. The Bible doesn't tell us how John felt, but I think that John must have been afraid, terrified perhaps, that they would kill him too. And I think that at the moment of crucifixion, John might have doubted God's plan for the king, or for the king's mother, or for this great plan that Jesus had talked about. 
But all we really need to know is that John was there and that he stayed, and the rest is details. And it's the same with you and I. We think of our Blessed Mother. The Bible tells us that she was there. We often see the image of Our Lady holding her crucified son in her arms. How many parents have looked up to heaven with a suffering child and said, what kind of a plan is this for my son? What kind of a plan could this be for my daughter? But the Bible tells us that Our Lady remained throughout her son's anguish. And then we know Our Lady served the emerging church. And the church wasn't perfect then. And it isn't perfect now. The church then was emerging, and she is still emerging. But for us, we also seek to remain with Christ through Lent at the foot of the cross. And if we pray there, Jesus can introduce us to his suffering. He can help us to see, perhaps, where we are causing him pain, where we are failing to trust him, or where we hurt him through our difficulty being patient with those around us, or through a pattern of sin, or maybe through a pattern of judging others. Jesus will show us how to be holier, and he will do this at the foot of the cross. Now we think, what other whispers emanate from the broken body of our King? I believe that when we have learned how to listen to Jesus, he can show us the reality of his church on earth and our role in it. He can share his grief at disunity and his gratitude when we work in love alongside each other. One thing is for sure, Jesus wants us to be hopeful. In this month's message, the Lord says, There is a groaning in my church, a sigh of exertion as she pushes forward into a renewed period. You feel this aching strain, but you also feel the spark of my hope. And he goes on to say, Dear apostles, for what reason would I come to you in this way? if not for a good reason. He asks, why would I deluge my church in grace if not to renew her? Jesus does not say, I need people to show others how absolutely rotten they are. Or he does not say, I need people to show everyone how hopeless the situation is. That's not what he says. He says, why would I deluge my church in grace? if not to renew her. He goes on to say, You are the heralds of my salvation. Does a herald look downhearted and hopeless? One who heralds the king's return stands with eyes alight, filled with anticipation and happiness. Now, Father Dare is going to read that, but I wanted to highlight it for you. Because do we look like that? Is that how people would describe us? Do others look at us and see anticipation and happiness? Jesus died on the cross, not so that we could understand death, but so that we could understand life. The church is emerging. We have to fight for her and defend her and protect her. We must love, of course, our priests and our bishops. Apostles, let's make sure we are willing to stand up and be counted in this time. Jesus is so grateful for this. 
So now, for the remainder of Lent, maybe we could each give Jesus 10 minutes a day sitting in front of a crucifix, just looking at him. Just look at Jesus and be with him in his suffering, in silence. And maybe we could say, Jesus, teach me. I want to learn. Jesus cannot resist this prayer. He will teach us, and we will know that we are loved.